Hello and welcome to another episode of the O&M Stockroom with your hosts Brian and Ken. And uh, tonight's episode, Complimentary Cinema. What film are we going to talk about today, uh, Ken? We are going to talk about the 2015 classic, Tracers. And by classic, we mean an absolute gem of unsung cinema. It is truly the pinnacle of movies about people running around cities. So, complimentary cinema. We uh, pick a film that's uh, readily available online that you can watch for free, some with ads. Sometimes they don't. Uh, This one is free with ads on YouTube. The link will be in the description below the video. And uh, it was your turn to pick the movie. And what was your criteria this week, Ken? So my criteria was to pick based on the movie poster alone. Um, I did pick also in consideration for the year the movie came out because the last couple movies we saw were late 70s, 80s, um, and then we had seen it in thousands I believe wasn't the 2000. The last film was, uh, I think, 2003. So I was looking for maybe a newer um, movie that looked kind of B movie-ish. Something a little, a little more modern, a little more contemporary. Yeah, just something. Yeah. A little more current. Just you know, that was my only other criteria. Um, so the movie poster for this film is, in fact, Taylor Lautner, who is uh, uh, the the headliner of this film, um, and he's running and he's carrying a gun, and that is the movie poster. That is the movie poster, and uh, I think you, you read like a one-sentence uh, one description of the film, and it happened to mention uh, Bike Messenger. Yes, I did. Uh, the, the lead in this film is a Bike Messenger, and uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Ken and I are avid cyclists, and we're complete bike dorks, so uh, that really was uh, what sold us, was okay, it's, it's a movie about a Bike Messenger. Yeah, I mean, we both had been uh, bike commuters. For, for a number of years, um, Brian longer than me, but, uh, by yeah. a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely, uh, it caught my attention once. I mean, I already basically selected it at that point, but, uh, then I was like, all right, well, this, this might be something that might be interesting. I was definitely uh, keen to, uh, to, to check it out. So we, we, you know, so we go into the YouTube, we, we start playing the movie. Uh, I noticed it was, uh, made by Saban. Uh, films uh, Saban, I believe, is the same uh, company that brought us Power Rangers in the U.S. in the early '90s. So that man has a has a keen eye for talent and fantastic intellectual properties. But apparently, he fell short this time around. Yeah, just a little. I would say that is completely accurate. Thank you, thank you. So this film was uh, written by Matt Johnson and uh, a couple other guys, T.J. Scott and Kevin Lund. Matt Johnson is well known for uh, currently having one film in pre-production and another one announced in the five years since this film came out. Can you imagine? I mean, right now is probably the worst time to be these kind of people who who do not have like big movies. They've got these probably small movies that are just lost in production somewhere. They're kind of like uh, they're kind of like the pizza delivery boys of the film industry. Like they're not really uh, heavy hitters, you know. Right, but then like a pandemic on top of that, you know, think of what kind of hell that must be for those kind of, uh, that kind of, this level of movie. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just a lot of, lot of running around fussing. Okay, so T, okay, so, so Matt Johnson has basically crap writing credits to his, uh, to his, uh, portfolio, to his, I guess you could say. Yeah. 
sorry, we're recording this late and we can't with the mouth words right now. Mm-hmm. So just bear with us, which is great because this is a podcast. Yeah. And it's all about the mouth words. Our mouth words are still better than his mouth words this is, in this film. This is true. Okay. And then we also have, so TJ Scott, uh, he's uh, worked on Star Trek Discovery and Gotham. So, okay. He actually has, he actually has had work since this film, which is unusual for most of the people associated with this film. And I, I will say too that the level of writing this film might match a TV production better, which is those are most of his credits were TV productions, so that that kind of made more sense. Um, I don't know what role each of the writers played in this movie, but you know, uh, the fact that it took three of them to come up with this was impressive. Yeah. Uh, so third writer Kevin Lund, his uh, big credit to his name is Death Wish Five: The Face of Death. Yes, Charles Bronson. Uh, Charles Bronson connection right rears there. Rears his head once again. His his ugly, fat, bloated head, according to the poster of that film. Yeah. I actually haven't watched it yet. I know that is quite a sin. And uh, this film was also directed by Daniel Benmayer, uh, a Spanish director who, uh, in the last five years, he's working on a film called Extremo, which is currently in post-production. Again, there's nothing noteworthy pretty much with any of the people associated with this film. Uh, I can, we can tell you that this film was nominated for two Teen Choice Awards. Uh, it's rated PG-13. Uh, there's no real swearing. There's no nudity. There's What there is is a lot of exercise. Yeah. I would say with like, if there was like 75% less shooting in this movie, you could probably get away with like a PG rating. Oh, Absolutely. Like this is this is a cardio fitness workout video is what this is. Mm-hmm. This movie is definitely for that like people like teenagers or like early twenties and you're like you're in parkour. Like this is definitely aimed straight at those people. Yeah, and, and we didn't know that this really was a movie about parkour going into it. I think we kind of alluded to that in our little intro there. But uh, uh, Ken, why don't you go ahead and just uh, get us started with a little uh, quick synopsis of this film. So, yeah, the, the story is really about the main character who is a bike messenger, but he's kind of an extreme bike messenger. He does, like, tricks, kind of. He does, uh, uh, like, slides around corners, and he's just, like, everything he does, it's not like a normal bike messenger would just, like, bike in a straight line, turn on the next street, like, maybe weave between some cars, but, like, that's probably about as exciting as that would get. Yeah, I, I do believe in, in one scene he, uh, he rides his bike down an escalator. Yep. Down an escalator, so, he jumps over things across like sidewalks and stuff. So he, he so from very early on he has that parkour spirit as he is the parkourist. I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. He is the parkourist of uh of bike messaging. Yeah. In yeah. New York City. Now you've you've biked a number of times. You would know over the last however many years of your life. How many times have you done anything extreme on your way to and from work? As somebody who, uh, as someone can, as someone who respects traffic laws, and as somebody who wants to set a good example as a cyclist, and as somebody who is um, definitely keen on arriving to their destination in one piece and not putting anyone else at risk or in harm's way. I can say that I have never pulled any such stunts, Ken, and I have uh, I've cycled through uh, dense city traffic. I have gone over bridges. Uh, I've I've cycled all over the place. 
but I've done it responsibly. I believe at one point in the in the extreme biking montage, he rolled his back over a over a car while he was holding on to his bike still. And I was just like, that is so impractical and painful, and no one would ever do that for any reason. I have gone over my bike a couple of times uh, in, in, in small collisions, and I can tell you that that was not pleasant. Yeah. Doing that with a car in front of me. On top and, of a car. On top of the car and going over the car would be incredibly, uh, no, no. Yeah. Just no, no one would do that intentionally. No one would ever do that intentionally for fun. And, I, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just an old square, Ken. You know, perhaps there is a small a small cadre of extreme cyclists uh, tormenting the cities of New York. So anyway, we have this bike messenger character. Uh, he's down on his luck. He uh, He's just trying to do supposedly he's just trying to make more money so that that translates into he needs more deliveries he wants to work more so that he can can get money and why what is the reason he needs the money well he needs the money because he owes some people money he uh he took out a loan from shall we say suspect businessmen and bitch they want their money so Luckily, you know, he, he ends up wrecking a bike uh, while colliding into a, a parkourist, the first that we see here. I really should have looked up what the uh, the term for a parkour uh, enthusiast enthusiast would be. I mean, parkourist, par, parkourian. <laughs> <laughs> Parkourer. <laughs> Parkourer. I mean, it's a French word, right? So, what's the Frenchiest? Uh, parkour. Yeah. I I don't know. Like like you know Parisian like parkourin. That seems like a, a really like key basic piece of of info we should have researched before this, but it's it's a we, good it's a good thing we're not going to do that. It's a good thing that we're not going to do that because this movie doesn't deserve it, and uh, we, we we don't have time for that. It would not add anything. It to just this it would add nothing to this conversation. So where where the hell were we? All right, so the, so the guy, you know, he's so right. He bikes. He wrecks the bike. He wrecks his bike. And you know these this gang. I use the term gang loosely. Of uh, parkour enthusiasts have caused this collision, and uh, and they just leave the scene. So he's just kind of busted on the ground, and now he can't get money. So he uh, no bike, no work. No bike, no work. He he doesn't have hardly enough money. The people he owes the money to are threatening him. You know, hey, we need our money. This is when we need it, or else we're gonna, you know, basically kill you or you know do terrible things to you. And uh, he, you know, he comes home to his garage that he lives in, and has to tell this uh, sweet, you know, single mother that hey, he can't pay her rent yet. Yeah. You know, just all around a very uh, melodramatic and and sappy way to begin a film. But there you have it. And he, he's paying five hundred and fifty dollars in rent. To live in a garage. Live in a garage with a broken down car. With nothing, basically. A, uh, a 1967 Bont- Pontiac uh, GTO. A a, a, uh, a nice looking vehicle if it were fixed yeah, up. But of course, it doesn't work. In this film, hood, like everything else in his not life, in good it is shape. completely dilapidated. Yeah. 
it, it, it is barren and, and sad and desperate. Yeah. So the next day or two, you know, he gets a call from work. You know, hey, it's like, hey, where are you? He's like, hey, I got no bike. And then, you know, his, his boss tells him, uh, you know, you your girlfriend dropped one off for you. And he's like, oh, I don't have a girlfriend. So he goes and uh, goes to uh, goes to his bike messenger job. And there's a brand new giant bicycle, which uh, Ken and I were uh, immensely excited about that one. That's some nice, nice brand product placement there. We uh we are in fact giant bike owners, so that is a um near and dear to us. Fantastic bikes and uh, giant. If you're listening, uh, the city escapes are are fantastic. I'll take one whenever you're ready. Yes, we too. We could yeah, we could always use a few more bikes. Could always use some more bikes. Or you know even just like a, a, a bike part that'd be cool. Bike parts are great. We like we like we like fancy rims. We like we like uh, good gears and some hand, new hand uh, hand grips, handlebars. Yeah. You know, grip tape. Yeah, tires, wheels, whatever. Just just we'll, we'll get a PO box. <laughs> so anyway, he gets the new bike. So he's back on the job. He can go do the errands and stuff like that. But for some reason, he keeps uh, he keeps. He's he's trying he's interested in this parkour girl, so he's trying to find her. So he goes where the the other pork parkour people are hanging out in the city, just to like look for her. And he should be working because this is like daylight hours. He should be working because he he was just threatened in just a few minutes before, by by scary Asian mafia people. Yeah, and uh, he let down his his landlady. There's people out to kill him. Literally out to kill. Well, they're not out to kill him at this stage of the film. I mean, they want their money. But they want their money. Yeah. They don't really want to kill him. They just want their money. And he, he obviously is not doing well enough to get it. And they'll do whatever they, they have to to get that money. So the, the parkour girl that he ran into and wrecked his bike, bought him a new bike. He has the bike. But instead of doing his roots and being a responsible citizen... He's out chasing the parkour uh, vibe. Yeah. So that that that's kind of the the subtext for this whole movie is he ends up chasing this girl pretty much for the rest of the film. And that's basically it. Meanwhile, his uh, his responsibility to his bike messenger service falls completely by the wayside. Yep. What kind of example is that going to set for the youth who watch this film? Not very good. Um, he then like even when he's at work. He gets so interested in the parkouring that he ends up like parkouring around his work building, which I thought was uh, extra cringe. Which, if I worked there, cringe. yeah, I would be so embarrassed for that guy. Like I would be the person in the in the corner whispering to the other people working there about how weird that guy was. Like, can't you work in an office? Yeah. Can you imagine if you just started parkouring around desks and no. uh, computer monitors? No. And- off uh, couches and chairs. It would be a and, big... And, and potted plants. It would be a, a huge embarrassment. It would be. Yeah. So anyway, extreme biker guy, though. It's perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. You know, he's he's, he's on the cutting edge of, of, of thrill-seeking in New York City. This is just another layer, right? Yeah, I guess. So he hooks up along with, uh, you know, these parkour people soon enough since he's not doing his job and just kind of hanging out wherever the hell they are. Runs into the girl again, chases her around, finds more of their people. Yada, yada, yada. And basically I mean, the, the, 
the other thing there too is like she's like oh that extreme biking like you're you're such a pansy like parkour is the true and noble art that's the real freedom right yeah like, I, I believe at one point she calls she calls bicycling a ball and chain yes i would love to see her ride five miles or walk five miles and then get back to me on that one yeah makes a lot of sense so long story short so we're about you know 20 30 minutes into the film at this point i'm already pulling the skin off my face in exasperation of the uh the bad dialogue, the bad pacing, and realizing that we still have at least an hour to go yes. on this film. There's not a whole lot of direction the plot can go that could save this because it's all like all of the characters, they're not like there's like an annoying parkour guy, and you think like he's kind of like the bully guy, but they don't really go anywhere with that. All of the characters are super one dimensional, they only have like this one thing that's either like they're their secret that's driving them or like their goal that they're going towards. And that's it for all of these people. They really are sketches of characters. I mean, even, even our main character doesn't really have much personality. Uh, none. He, his personality is that he likes to keep secrets and he doesn't like people to like help him, I guess, or like, I don't know. That's not even really characteristic either. It's just, some for some reason he wants to be involved he wants to be included but he also just he keeps everyone at, at arms at arm's length right and anytime anybody asks him a direct question about what's going on with him or what's going on in his life he needlessly evades or lies yeah so like he's in trouble with these this you know this chinese mafia they ask him like hey you know like what do you got going on it's like oh i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine lying to people he doesn't need to lie to yeah, he has, being deceptive for no reason. He has nothing to lose with these people. He has nothing. Nothing bad could happen to him if he told them the truth, because he's already working. Well, he's already associating with these people who, you know, at this point are just uh, they're doing parkour in their free time and uh, you know having fun with it basically. But uh, it turns out that they're also all all the rest of them are also working together. They're they are also messengers of sorts currying uh goods and services yes so that's the kind of common link between all of them and they uh they offer him a job of sorts they bring him into the fold you know drama ensues and it's basically does drama really ensue though they bring him into the fold and there's so little drama i I use the term uh, okay I, i know that you know this is radio you can't see my face you can't see my, my, my eyebrows. We can hear the face. Raised, but I, I'm going to tell you right now, I use that expression as loosely as humanly possible. This was, in fact, one of the more... Uh, this was an incredibly tedious film to get through. Um, it was only our constant insults while watching it that really made it watchable. The, the problem is there's too many scenes where once they once you know what's happening... Once you know all the actors and how all the players are set up, then they just go through the motions too many times. Okay, we're going to go on a job and the people are going to talk and he's going to learn a little more about what they're doing. And then the job's over and then gets the money. He's going to go back to the house and then something bad's going to happen with the gang. And it's like, it's just this cycle. It falls into a really tedious pattern incredibly quickly. Where the same things keep happening and it's like, okay, 
Because I even said uh, the second time when they were doing a job, okay, they're doing the criminal jobs. Something's going to go wrong. No, nothing went wrong. No, nope, everything went fine. We just did another job, which he, we've already done. He got paid again. We did a third job. We did a third job. Once again, everything went fine. Everything went fine. So it's like, there's nothing, like, you know eventually something's going to go wrong because it's a movie and we have to move the plot ahead somehow. Somehow. You know, it's either going to be the mob because that's who he owes money to or it's going to be these people he's associating with now and that's where the problem's going to come in. It's not rocket science. There's no other people in this movie. There's nowhere else plot-wise they could go. I completely concur. It's just, it's... I, I have so little to say about this film. It is... There's no drama between the people in the group. You know, the new guy is the new guy. So there's a little bit of that. But really, even they don't give him that much trouble. Or... They really don't haze him. They don't really make him earn his place. Not really. Like, like they give him one test... Yeah, they give him a little bit of grief. Early on, they give him a little bit of grief. And then after that, it's like, yeah, whatever, you're in, you're fine. And they just do jobs. And I, what, what's incredible to me is how every, every actor on here, it's like an action star from Wish. None of them are memorable. None of them, none of their faces uh, stand out to me. None of them have acting credits for anything that I can, I can even recognize or have heard of. And uh, it just all, I mean, we just watched this film, Ken, and just the memory of it is already fading. Yeah. I, I The other thing, character development wise, that really bothered me with the main character is we have this character who, who's been in and out of juvie all his life, right? And then his mom got sick and died and somehow that made him a good person. Like, not a good person even because he, he's okay getting involved with crime, but like, He's like hesitant to go like be involved in killing people and like. Well, that's fair. I don't know. Like that, that there's he, no reason for he, him to be the good guy. He he's he's morally ambiguous in in many respects. He's morally ambiguous. He has no real ties. He has no roots. I think it's just he, that's goes back to the, he has no personality. If there was a that, personality reason, like there's a couple times in this movie where I just turned and looked at you and I said. They didn't come up with a reason for why this is important. Like they didn't come up with a, um, you know, it's just he needs money and that's it. And then, but even then it's like, if he needed money, he would go work for it. Like and he's really when good he had at, opportunities too. He's really good at not doing his, his uh, day job either. Yeah. Like he bounces on that very, very quickly. Even when he's doing these other jobs, he could have kept doing the day job. Yeah. Because these other jobs take like, an hour, maybe. They're just like re- literally running a shipment of something in a van from one place in town to another. Yeah, he wouldn't need to do much. And he could run his bike route the rest of the week. Yeah, he could run his bike route. He can do the occasional like moonlight gig in his little like, you know, crime family and uh, call it good, man. He could be rolling in dough. Yeah. Instead, he's just practicing parkour on an old decommissioned ship and jumping around. And just the amount of, the amount of running and jumping and hopping and skipping and twirling and how many how many times have we see somebody jump on something they didn't need to jump on yeah just to get back onto the ground it, at least three times it was basically a meme by the end of the movie because like the first time was like in the first scene with the parkour people this chick literally jumps on top of a, a car and then on top of a van 
just so she can jump down from the van. Like, she literally could have just run around the whole situation, and it would have been faster. It would have been faster, but... And it would have made more sense. And it would have been easier on her knees as well. Yeah. So, there's a lot of times when people jump up on something just to jump back down. Just for the visual effect of it. Just for part four. Of just people just hopping around and flying. Now, when they're running from one place to another, all of that's fine. Jumping up on buildings. There is a lot of running. That's fine. You know, if you you jump up and down, there's levels of the roofs. There's a lot of roof chases in this film. Uh, most of the action is roof chases. Lots of roof chases, with some street running, some but not street too running much. and some uh, like going through buildings. That's like the, the other element. There's lots of hallways chasing I, I, through hallways. I yeah. liked the scene where they ran through doorways, through hallways, mm-hmm. and then out windows, and then onto streets, and then into other buildings. And over cars. Oh, all the all the all the scenes. All the scenes, yeah. So that that's basically the movie in a nutshell. Yeah. I forgot the pl- I forgot the part where we say that um this this podcast is spoilers, but uh, I I don't feel like we spoiled anything. I don't think yet. we've spoiled anything, and I don't think anybody like okay like normally like we, you know we save our little review for the end as far as a recommendation. I'm just going to tell you right now, don't watch this. Mm. This is a waste of time. If you like, if you like watching films that make you exhausted just from looking at them, this is going to be definitely for you. If you're if you're somebody who's looking for, you know, good acting, good writing, compelling plot, uh, this is not going to be your cup of tea. But for what this is, you know, basically a parkour fluff piece. It's fairly well made. Pretty good cinematography, pretty good editing. Um, the acting isn't great, but it's not awful. It's just, uh, it's for a lot of people, it's a run it and forget it. But what's up with that name, Tracers? Um, yeah, so Tracers is apparently another name for parkour or, or free running or whatever you want to call it. Um, apparently, that's Tracing. Is another tracing, name for that. Tracing. Okay. So Tracer so, oh, okay, is, is so, the guy. So that answers our earlier question. What do we call these parkourists? They tracers. are tracers. Yeah. Tracers. So I want to say, like, because you were kind of talking about this, but like the other thing that's a lot of the movie is just shots of New York. Like a lot of it is just. Oh, so many establishing shots. Making sure that you know we are in New York City. Um, there's a lot of the landmarks, like the bridges are in the background a lot of the time. There's um, see the Empire State Building. Empire State Buildings in the background is some of the main roof shots. Uh, the places where they're at. The new World Trade Center. Yep. So a lot of the landmark buildings are in the background. They, you know, Brooklyn Bridge. Wide shots of all this stuff. So that's another big part of it. Showing the subway a whole lot on the raised tracks. Um, so I feel like that's the other character, not character, but like as far as build, like making you feel like you're in this place. Uh, I feel like they did that okay, as far as like they showed the city at least. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's just another thing. It's just a. Uh, I, I guess I guess when like the plot was letting me down, like at least I had like some nice nice pretty backgrounds and like. I'll, I'll say this for New York, you can have a bad movie, but set it there. It, it, just just the establishing shots of New York City makes the movie feel like it's a bigger movie than it is. Yeah. And a bigger budget movie than it is. What was the budget on this piece of crap? Um, it was, I believe 11 million, 11 million. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
And that was, uh, like I, I was saying, kind of like, I don't think they probably paid much for locations and stuff, but just like shooting the action scenes was probably a big chunk of that. There was a decent number of action scenes later on in the film. A fair amount of stunt work too, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. It seems like most of the main characters did a lot of the easy parkour stuff themselves. It didn't seem like uh, they used stunt doubles for that. You could see their faces through some of it. You know, it's like the moderate stuff. It seems like they did themselves. The running. Yeah, the running. and, and The hopping. Yeah. The yeah. bouncing. So, yeah. Um, that was, I guess, good as far as like being genuine. But, um, yeah, I, I would say most of it was like the action and then um, just probably the filming, you know. I don't know. I, I know they didn't spend a whole lot. I mean, maybe Taylor Lautner took a big chunk as being the recognizable person. Yeah, he, he is the one bankable actor in this entire film. And he's done almost nothing since 2016. They had to rent all the cars for them to roll over. Like, oh, to, yeah, to, that, not, that would be a budget the, expense. Not for the cars to roll over, for people to roll over their bodies the cars, over yeah, cars. Yeah. yeah. That, definitely, that definitely would be stunt work there. But yeah, apparently it made like 18 million. 18 million? Yeah, something like that. 18 points. So something. not a failure. No, not by any stretch. Not a commercial uh, success, but not a complete flop that cost people money. I mean, I, right, and I can't imagine they spent much on marketing, so it's it's not like, you know, their their bottom line probably was fine. I mean, they didn't exceed expectations, but doesn't seem like the kind of film that even had a theatrical release. It was probably just available on Netflix one day or something. Yeah. Well, I mean that 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 the return was box office, so that was theatrical. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Apparently, it and home video it only made like you know, some much smaller amount. So, but yeah, I guess it, I don't know if it's been on any other streaming other than YouTube. Uh, it seems like the kind of movie you would put on one of those ser- services because it's I'm sure very cheap to obtain. Not an enduring classic, but it's you know it's got a recognizable main guy. And that that brings in the the women folk, and uh, it's it's running around in, in guns and stuff. I'm sure in the trailer, so that attracts men folk. And I can certainly see, uh, you know, the demographic appeal, like you know, young people. Yes, this is definitely yeah. aimed at. It's definitely a young, like you know, late teens, early twenties. This is yeah. definitely a film for you. Yeah. As somebody who is approaching, shall we say the uh, the nadir of my prime. I will say that the uh, the party scene, uh, the the outdoor party scene was, was too much for me. I, I looked at Ken and I'm, I'm too old for this. I'm too old for party scenes in movies. Yeah. The party scene, just the general like, this is just exhausting. Like all this running and like, this is just exhausting. Like who would want to do this Between, yourself? Like, I love cycling, but like cycling in, in bad traffic, running around in bad traffic, having to jump over buildings and rooftops and then going and like having to dance and like be social. It's, it's incredibly exhausting. And I, you made a really fantastic point uh, during the dance, the dance party scene, like about how all these people can, can do all these uh, amazing parkour things, but none of them could dance worth a shit. No, they could not dance. Yeah. The main, the main girl was literally just like spinning around and like putting her hands up a little and uh white girl dancing main guy didn't even try he didn't try yeah he He just grinded up on her a little bit and that was it and and looked at her with beady hungry eyes nobody could dance nobody could dance no some of the extras were okay yeah you know (laughs) 
But that was only because there was just so many of them. That's what they were there for, though. That's what they were there for. They were there to dance. So, I don't know. I think the other failure of this film is uh, the the reveals we have into each person's like personal backstory and character doesn't mean anything for the rest of the film. It has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. At one point, Brian looked over and said to me, like, if they had not told us this, it wouldn't have made a single difference it made absolutely None. no impact on the film well what's better is you know they, they were uh, the the lead actress marie ever got oh how do we uh, yeah let, good uh, luck let, with that let me okay this this greek american actress marie avgaropoulos avgaropoulos marie avgaropoulos all right let me say it eight nine more times you know at a certain point like say you know roughly midway through the film she has a you know, like a real a revealing confessional moment to our protagonist, if you will. I mean, you can't really call him the good guy because he's kind of a schmuck. But she reveals to the protagonist, you know, the reason for her predicament or at least the, the outline of it. And then a short time later, you find out more detail of that uh, of that reveal of the real reason why. And it if changes nothing. It affects nothing. It's more extraneous exposition which does not affect the course of the film does not affect the course of any of the characters relationships it it changes nothing it does not it does not really inform the or, or, or retrofit the previous information that we learned there was no reason to have that scene twice in other words doesn't develop the characters at all at all we we already knew all we needed to know and then they told us more, which didn't add to that at all in any appreciable way. Yep. Just like each successive job that they do doesn't really add anything to the story, doesn't really move the story forward. We didn't need to see it. I think what they really failed to with the parkour people, like none of them had like any quirks or like endearing traits. Like none of them had any like, typically in this kind of movie, it would be like, I'm the guy that is the wisecracking guy. Or like, I'm the guy that's, you know, a when little, you assemble a team, you have to have like a dynamic. Especially when you have like, you know, four or five of them who are tight knit as they are presented to being here. They're not colorful people. The dynamic is there's a bunch of guys and then there's the one girl. Yeah. And that's the dynamic in the group. And, and all but one of the guys just kind of stand around trying to look macho. Like they have lines of dialogue, but what they are doesn't matter. They look around at things, but, you know, who cares what they're looking at? They're just there. They're, be- they're window dressing. So I think that's the main, my main criticism of this movie is it ends up being no interesting characters and just a barely serviceable plot. It's just, a, it's, a, it's a plot to get us from A to B to C and eventually D. It's a very mechanical plot. And it, it doesn't flow. But since you don't care about the characters, I mean, technically even the bad, the, the Chinese mob guy has more character than Oh, absolutely. He the has good guys. He has like what, maybe four scenes total, totaling maybe 5 minutes of screen time. And he is more memorable and You're right, you're absolutely right. He has good dialogue, he has good delivery. He has um like you believe his character. Yeah. You believe when he talks to you, you believe him. Yep. All right? Like like he he's an intimidating presence. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I cannot say that for any of the other uh, villains, if you will. Like their their personality as they run around. 
and jump over things. It's an aerobics video. This is a cardio video. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all that's missing is the spandex and the 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 instructions themselves. So let's uh let's get back on track here. So best performance, worst performance. So best performance, definitely the uh definitely our our, our Chinese mafia man, Jerry, I believe his name was. Mm. He's he definitely gives a a small, understated, but perfectly perfectly wonderful uh role there and also the landlady angie did a really great job that was a good believable character yeah agreed yeah um jerry he he looked like a normal guy too which i liked like he was the the contact man but then he also had like a big muscly guy with him yeah he had he had the he had the right balance of 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 having the face you know he's like well dressed he's well he's well taken care of He's not like super muscly, you know, and, and ripped, but he's got that. He has that presence. He brings he brings presence to his role. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of these other people just showed up and be like, all right, my character's name is this. Okay. And that's about that feels like the the extent of their involvement in their character. Mm. And the rest of the time, it's like they're just they're just worried about, you know, just their time and their speed, and, which, you know, of course, in a film like this based on parkour. Sure, that's absolutely important. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Uh, like you mentioned, the the mom, the mom at the place he was staying was good. The landlady was good. Yeah, Angie. they did. Unfortunately, they didn't involve them very much outside of the the first act. Um, they they threatened they're going to do something to her or like you know in the in, in the, the her son, but that that's that's basically it. You know, they don't ever bring them back into the story, which is what, something I would have done. They really drop them out like halfway through. They could have brought them into the third act easily and made that another like, oh no, something's going to happen. Why introduce them if they're not going to be important? They just aren't. They just they they drop them about two thirds of the way through, and you don't you don't hear from them again. Yeah. What is the outcome of that? I mean, you you can extrapolate and you can assume, but it would have it would have tied the room together. To bring them back in for at least a minute and something. Yeah. But you don't get that. Or the ending or anything. No. Yeah. So as far as worst. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? Worst worst performance, Ken. What is the worst performance here? I'm going to say it's the ginger guy. The self-described ginger guy, Jax. Mm -hmm. One of the parkour people. Yeah. Just gave a really awful line at the dance party scene. He had a bad line when they were sitting around the table on the boat too. Yeah, like just it, it didn't. Yeah. I, I I literally said out loud, "This is not how people talk." Like the way that the way that he delivered it and this what they were saying, which that's not his fault, but the the way he said it and what they were saying was like, "This is not the, how people sit around and have a conversation." The style and the substance was was, was awful and dreadful. Yeah. So yeah, that's pr- a pretty good um, a pick there. Um. Honestly, I don't know. I think all the parkour guys are pretty f- equally forgettable. Even the the quote unquote main one, Dylan, um, he still ends up being more interesting in the first act uh, as a potential person, and then once again, kind of just loses his character and is not important in the end. Again, why introduce them if they're not going to be important? They ju- they just kind of throw they cu- they throw them. I mean, when you first meet him, you're like, oh, shit, this guy is going to be a big deal. Yeah. Like, this is going to be like the big, you know, and, you know, okay, so it was a nice little twist that he wasn't 
uh, the, the main antagonist or, you know, he just ends up being nothing. Yeah, I think he's he, just there. He did okay in the first act, as good maybe even in the first act, and then progressively did worse and worse until the it, by the end, like that's when I think it was the worst performance. He he became no yep. character by the end, like he came not important. Uh, that's not his fault because whatever that's writing, but he also just became not a, a character at all. Well, what about the other parkour guy who gets the gun pulled on him in the van? That. And then that's the last you see of him. Yeah, we never explain it. Yeah, he Did just, he decide to be like, all right, you know what? I'm going to get out of the van. I'm going to go get a hot dog. I'm going to go get go get a, a Coney Island dog. I'll see you guys later. Have fun. We never know. That's what I mean. It, 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 I just assumed, you know, she let him go because it doesn't make sense. She would just shoot him. So I assumed she just let him go. But then it's again, it's like it's another character that just didn't matter. So, so which characters? Was, what characters did matter? And here? here's the reason why. Here's the reason why that is, is because they were only important to be serviceable in some conversation scenes, and then they could go run and jump around, like the parkour thing, is all they really cared about for they're, those characters. These characters are window dressing. We need people to run around on screen to look like there's a whole bunch of things happening because there's a bunch of people running and jumping. They were big on the running and jumping, and they were big on having. Just uh, having having scenes busy. Yeah. Didn't matter if anything important was happening, but they wanted things to look busy all the time in mm-hmm. this film. Which, again, like I said, if you wanted to be exhausted just watching a film, this is a good way to go. There's just lots of needless busyness on the screen. But the action scenes were pretty decent. Yeah. The, for what they were. So, yeah, some of them were pretty good. Um, or better than others, I, I guess I should say. But... uh yeah, it was it was decent when you could see what was going on and kind of get a sense of the space of the situation. I think that's where it struggled sometimes is like, okay, you got a bunch of people running and jumping, but if you don't have a sense of where point A is and point B is, where they're going to, it's hard to um, process it. It's like watching joggers just go, go past if you. If you're jumping from one viewpoint to another to another and cutting around and then you're seeing all these people just jump, I mean, yeah, you can see when they go to the same place like you see a landmark that you recognize from the previous person jumping but like some of the scenes it's really hard to follow along with what the hell's even going on so the action scenes where you can tell what's going on i think are the better ones where you can get a sense of of where we're going where the direction is what was the what was the soundtrack in this movie i uh, i don't even remember it was there one yeah there was music it was Was there it, it, it was like uh, like electronic dance music. It was completely forgettable. I didn't even hear it. That's what I'm saying. It's there. Is it? It's there. That's interesting. Like much of this film, it just it just vanishes into thin air when you think about it. Hmm. I have like nothing else to add on the music. Yeah. It's just it's there and then it's gone. I didn't even notice it. It's like it's like a ninja, like hmm. a parkour ninja. Now you see it. Now you don't. Now you hear it. Now you don't. Mm-hmm. So your final uh, final score and recommendation on this, Ken? Got something else to add? Yeah, just backtrack just for a second. So the only th- other thing we didn't cover is the leader of the parkour group. We didn't me- mention it all at any point in this review. I feel like that would be... I don't need to talk a whole lot about it. It would be a glaring omission to leave him out. He wasn't the best or worst, so he didn't come up. 
He comes off as kind of like a likable chode. So yeah, basically it's like the, it's like old, slightly older guy than the rest of this group, and he's kind of like the organizer. Uh, if you've seen like some other organized crime movies, he would be like the middle manager. You know what I mean? He's like the team leader, but he's not really like a high up kind of guy. And he's just you know he's he's a crime guy that he knows the places to go to to get the work and the places to 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 rob or whatever you know he 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 has all the information he's got he's the man with the inside track so anyway i just wanted to at least mention him uh he was i guess the only other character that was memorable um as far as he had a little bit of character and story and um was kind of a good good guy and bad guy I, I guess there's nothing but else to say there. He was another morally ambiguous character in a film full of morally ambiguous characters. Yeah. Every single character in this film is morally ambiguous. Yeah. The Chinese mafia people are morally ambiguous. Our protagonist is morally ambiguous. His romantic interest is morally ambiguous. Their boss is morally ambiguous. Um, I'd, I'll even say that the landlady is morally ambiguous because at one point she says like, hey, you know, you're getting mixed up with stuff I don't want to be involved in. Get, get away. Oh, I'll take your money. Yeah. He comes He comes to offer her money after she's already put him out on the street and she accepts it. True. So to a point, I mean, that's uh, a little more. No one ends up being good. N- no one is perfectly good. Much like Much like real life, most people are a shade of gray. Just like real life. Just like real life. Parkour. Parkour. So what is your final assessment of this film? My final assessment of this film is skip it. Yeah. Just skip it. I, I ran out of things to say about this film like six minutes into our into our podcast this evening. It's an unmemorable film with unmemorable acting, unmemorable dialogue, um, an unmemorable plot. You know, three weeks from now, I'm not even going to remember the name of this film. To me, there was about two interesting plot points, and even that wasn't enough to um, justify the rest of the movie. It really wasn't. There's just not enough meat there, and uh, the the only thing it really has different from other movies is the whole parkour aspect. So, if you want to watch people run around and do parkour, then that's fine. If you're a parkour fan. Or, you this know, is the movie for you. Or if you're a tracer, huh. this would be a great film. Sure. You know, it could be even an instructional video. It could be, you know, I, I could see it becoming a classic in the in the uh, the, the, the parkour subculture. I, but likely not. I think parkour has also been done better in other movies too. Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, there was the one James Bond movie. It was in uh, pretty prominently in the beginning. Um, there's some other films I've seen where it plays kind of a more prominent role as well. Um, this one really tried to focus on it, and they forgot all of the other parts about making an interesting movie. Uh, they tried, like, but it just came out as melodrama and just kind of crap, really. So, I mean, I think that's a pretty good summary. Uh, I say skip it. Ken says it's crap. There you have it, folks. It was a film. It was a film that cost us 94 minutes of our lives that we'll never get back again. But it cost us zero dollars. It did cost part. us zero dollars. And that, my friends, is the uh, the big advantage of 
joining us with complimentary cinema. It can also cost you zero dollars. I, <laughs> I do believe that's what I was aiming but at. But it will take away your precious time. It will take away your precious time. Uh, 94 minutes to watch the film, even longer if you talk about it afterward, which I don't recommend. <laughs> if you watch this film, do not do not sit down with your buddy and talk about this film don't, afterward. Don't waste any more words on this film. Don't waste any more words on it. And in fact, if you've been listening to this podcast... Just um, move on. Just move on. Just, just listen to the podcast. Don't watch the film. Or watch the film and don't listen to the podcast. Which I wouldn't normally say because yeah, uh, you know no 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 we listen, want we want read we want listeners listen to the podcast listen, well yeah come on okay, now fine listen to the podcast I'm I'm gonna make that into like you know you know where people have like the the review quotes you know it's like listen the, to the podcast the, the stock room <laughs> don't don't bother listening to podcast don't listen to the movie <laughs> go watch the film don't listen to this podcast would not recommend would not recommend zero out of ten uh, any other final thoughts Ken. I think that's it for this. That's, right. uh, that's what we got. That's a wrap. Thank you for uh, joining us this week for Complimentary Cinema on the uh, O&M Stockroom. Uh, we're your hosts, Brian McGarry. And Ken O'Malley. And we will see you next week. Uh, leave us a comment in the uh, below letting us know uh, what parts of this film you hated the most. And we'll see you soon.